Welcome to Simple Kicking, the show by special teams for special teams. Simple Kicking provides football's latest special teams news, insights, and interviews with kickers, coaches, recruiters, and agents to give players the best chance of success on their career path. And now, your host, former Division I kicker for LSU and Rice University, James Harrison. Hey everybody, today is Thursday, the 22nd of January, and before we get into the punter roundtable, I'd like to introduce Big Game USA. Big Game manufactures footballs for many of the elite college programs, and they make them right here in Dallas, Texas. I've known those boys over there at Big Game for nearly a decade, and they made sure that the footballs I kicked at LSU and Rice were kicker-friendly. To receive 10% off your order, please go to BigGameUSA.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and click Kicker Footballs. Enter the promo code SIMPLEKICK2021. Again, that is SIMPLEKICK2021 for 10% off your kicking football order. But once I get out there, man, I, I have my cues and things that I, I do before every single kick, and it's, it's like, I don't know if you've seen... Uh, some of the baseball movies, but like the clear, the mechanism thing is, is really big for me. Like I don't, the loudest pun I've ever been a part of, I was backed up at Alabama. Actually, there's two, I'm Alabama and Florida. And people are like, dude, it was so loud. Like, I'm like, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> it's good to have the mindset. I want to go out there and punt. If you start having the mindset, like, oh, please get the first down. I'll play punt right now. That's like, you can't have that mindset. Even if it's, if it's like the fourth quarter, we, we beat them. And uh, I had four punts. Like I said, I knew my average was pretty high. I don't like to think about it that much, but I was like, hmm, this is, this is nice. Thank you, guys. If you're into hearing journeys on going from zero to 100 real quick, as Michael Turk at Arizona State and Zach Von Rosenberg at LSU both did, then this punter roundtable is for you. Lee, hit the theme. Welcome to Simple Kicking with your host, James Harrison. Michael Turk, Arizona State University, and Zach Van Rosenberg, or is it Von Rosenberg? Von Rosenberg. There you go. I've already, I'm already 0 for 1, and we're only 20 seconds into this thing. <laughs> What's up, guys? How's it going? What's up? So we had an, uh, an Aussie roundtable, a punter roundtable with Lou Headley and Max Duffy a couple weeks ago, and as... Luck would have it. Now we have two of the best American punters in college football. So thanks, guys, for joining. Thank you for having yeah. us. Thanks for having us. All right, let's go into this. A couple of years ago, you guys weren't punting footballs. How the heck did you become such great punters in such a short period of time? You know, I was playing baseball, and obviously that, that dream ended. And my baseball career came to an end. And I kind of set a new dream. And at the a time, it wasn't to be a punter at LSU. It was to play quarterback or uh, you know, a position tight end, whatever it may be. And I was willing to do whatever it took to, to do that. And, um, whenever I did come back, uh, I saw a fit at punter and I had all, and I had punter when I was a kid, but I hadn't punted a football in like eight years at the time or seven years at the time. And I was like, you know what, why not? I'll give it a shot. And sure enough, I still had a strong leg cause I played soccer my whole life. And it was just about, uh, you know, finding, finding what, what worked for me. Cause I'm kind of an unorthodox punter and plus I'm left footed. And, um, uh, you know, years of repetition and just, just a year in really about a year and a half. And I felt really confident in myself and, and thought I was, I could be an elite punter, uh, at this level and, um, and really refined my skills and, and got better it, my struck my, you know, I guess my weakest punt at the beginning would have been my going in punt or, you know, I guess the coffin corner, we call it a dagger punt in LSU. Cause you're trying to, you know, put a dagger in their offense, put them as close to the goal line as possible. But that was my weakest punt. And, and, 
now I would consider those punts my strongest punts. Uh, and that just took a lot of time and dedication and, and want to. And um, and here we are. I've kind of well-rounded my game as best as I can. And I honestly think I'm still improving, you know, every year, which is kind of crazy, even though I've been doing it for five years now. But um, I still think there's a lot left in the tank and, and I can still improve a lot on, in, in my craft. Yeah, it helps when you have Joe Burrow, uh, a generational quarterback, <laughs> to uh, give you an easier punts that are going in you know call it in the plus area versus uh being backed up uh around your own like 15 yard line or something like that yeah for sure and i have to be i want to ask zach later on too what he meant by not traditional because i haven't i haven't ever seen zach punt um well shoot get into it now this is a round table i would just say i would just say my mechanics are a little different um uh i i swing a little unorthodox um i don't so uh i would say i swing more across my body then okay. a straight up and down punter does. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, a lot of things that work for other people, at least whenever I've gone, gotten advice from other punters, a lot of those things didn't work for me. Uh, one of them was standing upright when I punted, uh, like keeping my chest high, I guess, if you will. And I finished that way, but, but on contact, I can't, it's, it's difficult for me to uh, hit a, the ball that I can hit without being at least a little hunched over. And a lot of guys say, Oh, I'm losing some power, but I hit more consistent punts. Um, when I'm, when I'm a little bit hunched over and they, like I said, it, it may take 0.25 off my hang time or whatever, but, um, my, my punts are, you know, my ball striking is more consistent and I tried it. I, I tried to change, um, my form a little bit, but I just stuck with what I was comfortable with. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's what it was. Oh, nice. I didn't punt in high school. Um, I went to two years of high school in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and I played safety there. And then also when I moved into Houston, Texas, I played safety at Ridgepoint High School. And a lot of people don't know this, but I had um, three ACL surgeries in high school. So essentially my, yeah, my athletic career was just obviously not, it was non-existent essentially in high high school, except for my senior year. I like the second game in um, my last play at safety, actually, I forced a fumble and I just kind of felt something that I knew that it wasn't right. So um, sure enough, I went to the doctor, got the MRI, and that was the third time I tore my ACL. And then I was just really um, also in high school. I went through a lot of other things, and I'm thankful that the Lord saved me because I was definitely on the not a good not a good track for my first two years and then kind of got my life back on the straight and narrow path my junior year. And so um, just my senior year reading the Bible and praying about what to do next – I just got the desire in my heart to start punting, which is kind of, it's just kind of odd because I mean, if I didn't punt all throughout high school, I don't know what I was going to try to do at the same time. It wasn't that odd though, because my uncle punted in the NFL for 19 years and my brother Ben punted four years in, at Notre Dame. And so, um, I was just like, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I choose this first before safety? I don't know. I just wanted to play football, I guess. I guess I didn't think a punter was a football player, but then Ben offered for me to live with him for a gap year in Dallas. Cause I was living with my uncle and that was a great time in Houston. I was definitely growing a lot as a person and as a man, but then I was going to go to junior college. I was going to go to Blinn junior college and just try to learn how to punt while I was at junior college. And then I got some advice from a family friend to just take a gap year. And that's when Ben offered for me to live with him in Dallas, te- uh, Dallas, Texas, And really, I just um, went out every day and I can't thank my family enough. And Ben, because we'd wake up, he'd wake up before work at 6 a.m. to go work out with me at a nice gym. And then he'd carve out time to go punt with me. And then even when he went to work, sometimes he didn't know know this, but I would go, I would Uber, go back to the field and just stay there all day, like 
just all day, like hitting, hitting puns sometimes. So literally like, I felt like I was about to pass out. And then eventually I started getting better. was actually turning the ball over and hitting respectable, like high school punts. And then it really just a lot of improvement by the grace of God within like the last three months of my gap year, I started hitting four sevens, like occasionally and always like above a four or five, if I was, if I was recording a set and at least like 45 yards. And then, I'm, and then one day I made film when I was punting at SMU, I made film and it was really, I did, I had a pretty good day of continuous punts and I sent that out to schools and Ben, Ben is so good at networking cause he's a finance job. So he sent it out to every school. And obviously he tried to, he tried to leverage my uncle, you know, the last name of my uncle punting and him punting. And so there a lot of schools were just kind of like, well, first of all, you had, you know, three ACL surgeries and you didn't punt in high school. So, you know, you can come walk on here. So I had a lot of, I had a lot of preferred walk on offers, even to bigger schools like Texas A&M and stuff, but I didn't, I didn't have any money and I just didn't, I didn't want to go into, I guess, into debt. Maybe that was, you know, prideful of me, but I just really didn't want to do that. So then uh, one day when Ben was at work, I, I went back to Highland Park High School. I got some more film. I paid, I literally, there were some high schoolers who were, I think they were skipping class or something because they were just on the field by themselves. I paid them five bucks to record me and I had one pretty, pretty, like probably one of my better sets ever since I started punting. And they were just holding the phone like vertically and it was like 10 punts in a row. And I had like a five second punt on there too. And then I sent that out to more schools. And that's when Lafayette College, a division one AA school, they offered me a full ride scholarship just off of my YouTube film. And I was obviously elated at that. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to stick my nose up at that because I was still division one football and I didn't punt in high school. So I was like, I'll take it. I don't have to go into debt. And so fast forward now here, I'm at, I'm at ASU um, after transferring redshirting and really just by the grace of God to reading the, reading the Bible all throughout to, to know what to do next. And there's some other stuff, but yeah, that's kind of an overview. Dude, that sounds miraculous. I mean, <laughs> It really is by the grace. Yeah, for sure. Wait, Zach, you played high school football, but then you go play professional baseball for six, seven years. Michael, you had three ACL surgeries. I mean, you guys both kind of overcame odds that are not found on the, you know, kicking circuit of going to camps and showcases and that kind of that orthodox way of going from a high school kid who has a dream to being somebody who has a spot on a collegiate roster. Zach, um, you played six years of baseball. Yeah. Uh, 2009 to 2015. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was a journey and yeah, he, he's right. I, I didn't know all that about you either. Three ACL surgeries. You got <laughs> a scholarship off of YouTube film. Like, my story is similar in the, in the sense that I made film playing quarterback. That's how I was able to walk on the team. I made film as Dang. a quarterback to walk wow. on LSU. Oh, wait. So when you walked on, did they know at all that you could punt? No. And bro, weren't there, weren't there punters in there who were on scholarship? And like, what yeah, happened? You um, just were like, did, did you come out one day? That's actually very bizarre. That's like me if I go out to pre-practice and all of a sudden one of our quarterbacks starts punting. Like, I couldn't even picture that. How'd that even happen? And, and the roles reversed too. So they didn't know I could punt. They knew I could play quarterback in another position. Um, but I walk on about six, eight months in, they realized I could punt. I start punting. I win the backup punter job and I didn't punt my whole first year in 2016. How uh, Sorry to interrupt, but how'd they realize you could punt? I was just, I was just messing around before practice. I would just Bro, be messing around. Maybe see me punting back and forth. What? Oh my gosh. Our, our backup punter, he, he got through, uh, he got a little bit of, um, he got a little bit of trouble and okay. had a transfer and, um, 
but yeah, it was kind of bizarre, um, that I was able to be the backup punter. And, um, I was able to, ironically, I was able to travel, uh, to a couple of away games that first year in 2016, but I didn't punt in 2016. I didn't punt until the following year. Uh, so you traveled as you traveled, not, not as a QB, but as a backup quarterback. Mainly. As a, as a, I mean, as a backup. tight end. Oh, as a tight end. Okay. okay. Yeah. What number did you oh. wear? What's that? What number did you wear when you were a tight end? I was, a, I was 46. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they, yeah, it, it's, it's bizarre. It's still bizarre to think about because, uh, my goal and my vision when I first started was not to punt and, um, and <laughs> it's, it's just, it's still funny to talk about because I still remember when I first walked on in 20, you know, spring 2016, I was like, I'm going to play quarterback or tight end. I'm going to have, a, you know, I'm gonna be a role player. And then, um, the, opportunity presented itself. I started punting and I, I wasn't good right away. It took me about a year to really get good again. Um, but it, it, it came back pretty quick. So when you're in uh, the, when you're in the starting spot, uh, 2017, how'd that, how'd that happen just during training camp or something? Well, uh, our, our punter at the time, his name is Josh Groudon. He, uh, he was punting and, uh, he, he had a little bit of struggles against BYU and I think it was Mississippi state and maybe one other team. And then I was just able to get an opportunity in a game. And I don't remember my, I think my first punt was 44 yards. I didn't play the next game. And then he had another, you know, if he punt and then I went in and I never got taken, I didn't get taken out again for four years. Um, and that was kind of, I got my opportunity. Ironically, I got my opportunity to be the backup and then, after two games in 2017, I got my opportunity to be the starter and then never looked back really. And I've been, I've been playing ever since. And ironically, Josh ended up transferring. He started at West Virginia for a season. Um, and he was a good punter. We just didn't yeah. play. We didn't play to Josh's strengths. Josh was Australian rules punter. And, um, if, if we had a rugby punted, I don't know if he would have ever lost his job because he was, he was really consistent, uh, at that Aussie punt. And, um, we, we, our coach, coach McMahon, he was more of a uh, pro guy, pro style punt. And that's kind of, that played in my strengths and, uh, and, and it gave me, yeah. you know, a little bit of an edge, I guess. And it, at LSU, so I kicked at LSU from 2011 to 2014, and you're the first American since Derek Helton. We had Brad Wing, Jamie Keene, and uh, Groudon, all who were Aussies. So you, if you had less miles as your coach, you would be facing an even uphill, even more of an uphill battle because Coach Miles really favored the Aussies. Yeah, because according to him, I, did, I don't, I don't speak Australian. And, but that's true. I mean, literally, dude. Like in his mind, as I played for him, you were you know, walking on while he was there and kind of on his way out. God bless him. But the, you didn't speak Australian, therefore, sorry, brother, you're likely not going to be punting for the purple and gold. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of, that was his philosophy. He, he liked the Australian guys and, and, uh, I'm, I'm just happy. I was given an opportunity to, to, to change that up. Zach, you know? how many years are you, do you still have another year in college? So I could have came back, um, this year with the COVID extra COVID year, but I, I decided to come out and, uh, oh, okay. yeah, I do, I'll do pro days and nice. I think they canceled the, uh, the, uh, combine, but I'll be going to whatever I can. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't, I, I haven't really, I mean, I'm going to hula bowl on Monday. Um, but I don't know what their, what the plans are besides, you know, the combine right now. I know that they'll come to LSU for our pro day, but yeah, yeah. we'll see. So this is uh, Zach Von Rosenberg. He's the uh, punter at LSU now going uh, to the NFL, as he was talking about in Michael Turk, who's at Arizona state, Michael, you had a breakout year in 2019, like insane. In fact, it was the 20th best punting season in the last 
10 years. I, I went through all the data that I possibly could find, and you ranked number 20. The guys that were ahead of you are uh, mostly in the NFL. Those names are littered across the league. You scored a 97.2 on the simple kicking punting rating, which is just a fancy way of saying uh, James made a, a formula on uh, using some Rice University stats that I, I learned. Oh, cool. Dude, that's insane. So then you go and declare for the NFL draft the process now that Zach's in. Mm-hmm. How did you get so good so quick, man? I mean, I know you got a vertical video at Highland Park Stadium, which I can look out my window. Like, there's the stadium right over there. Okay, I can I can read the Bible. Okay, I've got my crucifix right there. I go to Mass every Sunday. <laughs> but there's also a part that is, is in your hands on a day-to-day. What are you doing to prepare yourself technically? Like, let's just start with the technique. How the in the world did you learn how to be that good that quick. Yeah. Thanks for the compliments. And I like what Zach said earlier too, about still getting better. Cause I feel like, I feel like uh, definitely Lord willing, I can still, I still have, I know that I still have a lot to improve on. So I appreciate the compliments, but even that season, there's a lot of stuff I could have done much better. But um, I mean, you mentioned reading the Bible. That's, I just say that first and foremost, because I think it's really the mindset of uh, and the mindset and like the, what is your, what's driving you, I guess. And so I, that, that transcendent purpose definitely helps me stay out there and train that much longer. And in terms of my training schedule, I feel like a lot of guys, if you go to like kicking camps or ask coaches for high schoolers, they'll tell you to, at least this is what I hear when I talk to high schoolers, you know, they, they tell them like their coach tells them to hit 30 to 50 balls and then, you know, work out legs twice a week. I just, me and Ben, we did not have that philosophy at all. Me and Ben, my older brother, he actually got back into punting once he started training me because he started loving it so much. We would go out six, we go out six days a week to punt and work out legs like three to four times a week, just depending on, you know, it doesn't have to be super concrete and structured, just depending on how um, sore your legs feel. But I think, I think it was just that, that helped me get better so fast um, because you can only get better at something if you practice it. And so as long as you're, as long as you're staying flexible and taking care of your body, I think it would benefit punters to, just punt a lot more than, you know, maybe a lot of coaches recommend. And also during my gap year, there's so much um, punting film online nowadays. Like you could sit on YouTube and watch different punters for hours. And so I would, I would watch every punting video. I'm sure you guys have both seen, you know, the major ones by, you know, with, with Cole's kicking, like the biggest punts ever captured on film and all that. And so I would just watch all those, watch all the NFL guys and compare it to my film. Cause me and Ben would record each other every day. And so, yeah. And a shameless plug to my YouTube channel too, called hang time. I have like a, how to, I made like a, how to punt video. And so um, I think there's just a lot you can learn online. So I had a whole year of doing that. And I carried that over to college too. Cause even sometimes it wouldn't be enough for me just to work on punting at practice. I would go like later on in the day, um, to the basketball court and do drops on the wood floor on the lines and then do some drill work at the field in the evening. And so I think, I think just like the, the repetition and doing a lot of it is what helped me get better. Yeah. Fast. And so I was looking at your, your YouTube channel again, it's, it's hang, hang time. 
please subscribe to hang time because if yeah, you're a please punter, subscribe. Thank you. I mean, I, I even learned something from you when you talked about, you know, how to punt a football from your perspective. That's awesome. Oh, nice. And like Thomas Morstead said, whatever you give will grow. Whatever you keep will die. And you're a guy that gives away back to the universe. And I think that's going to come back to you <laughs> through your little YouTube channel. Hang time. I think it's awesome. And by the way, it's not little, you've got almost 4,000 subscribers. That's a big deal. So I'm super pumped for that. Um, hey, thank you. Dude, you had this drive. I mean, whether it's three times a week that you were working out or five days a week that you're punting, whatever it is, you stayed with it. You stuck with it. And, you know, having such a, a breakout season like that, dude, when there was really good dudes ahead of you, like Sterling Hoffrichter, who's now at Atlanta, Joe Charlton, who's at, you know, Carolina, we've had some really deep talent in 2019 and 2020. You know, and both of you dudes, like Zach, you improved almost 7% on the simple kicking punting rating in a season. From 2019, From 2019 to 2020. Now, you you have a great season and you're a key asset for the team, you know, winning the national championship. What call, I mean, again, this is a roundtable, so it doesn't just have to be me, but I'm just looking at this and I'm like, something that these guys are doing is causing them such remarkable growth. And this is a totally unorthodox story that both of you guys have. Um, for me, in, in 2019, I identified the things that I, I really struggled at. And one of those was, well, we call it blue puns. We changed up the name this year. I won't say that because I bet they'll use it again next year. But blue puns are basically going to the left. So I started kicking and leaning to kicking all red punts. Well, I made that my strength in 2020 and my blue punts, my left punts became much, much better. Um, and that was partially because I did, I had to make an adjustment of how I dropped the ball, uh, because I was comfortable only hitting it with a draw to the right. It's opposite for, for, uh, Michael. Um, but, um, once I got over that and made it made my punt just more consistent in terms of the field punt, I, like I, I'm hitting straight lines now. It's not about playing a draw. It's about hitting straight line punts. And then uh, I also realized that my dagger punts going in punts uh, were lacking and I just I couldn't control them as well as I like to. And that's what I really hammered once uh, COVID hit. I, I really I think there was probably a month where I didn't hit a single uh, like field punt. I didn't hit a single spiral in a, in a whole month. I, all I did the entire time was hit nose down punts. And, and I, I noticed a dramatic change in how, you know, accurate I became and, and the comfortability aspect of my punting and especially that punt, uh, because I identified it as my weakness. And, um, once I really grinded through that, as you could, I think this year, I only had yeah, two touchbacks and one of them really course. shouldn't have been a touchback. Um, but, but I really, got comfortable uh, hitting those punts and, and it not being a weakness for me anymore. Zach, how many games did you play? Uh, uh, we played 10. We were five and five. And you only had two touchbacks out of 10 yeah. games? Yeah, two, two touchbacks. Yeah, that's impressive, man, because um, I had I had more touchbacks than I wanted and I didn't even have as many games as you, but that, that'll obviously just save your net. The touchbacks are the net killers, and for sure, so that's pretty impressive. Oh, what we got here? So we've got a 34-yard punt on the right hash in the NFL. This is going to be right of the right hash. Your guy that's kind of leaning over. This is again right hash kick. You're a left-footed kicker. This is your first punt of the game. The reason why I pulled this up is you were named Ray Guy Punter of the Week. Now, that's a that's pretty cool. So, do you remember this punt, or do you just you all just kind of want to roll through it and just kind of? Talk about what you're thinking and what your mindset is going into this punt. Again, 34. This is the minus 34 on the right hash. Yeah. Um, 
I'm, I'm, this is my first punt in the game. I think I'm just trying to hit a nice and easy punt. Uh, nothing crazy. And those tend to be my best punts, um, as a good snap. And I'm trying to make sure I get that ball outside numbers. I'm not sure if I get it all the way over there, but yeah, I, I, I hit it to the hash. I can't believe he caught that to be honest with you. I thought he should have let it go to be a touchback. Um, <laughs> uh, but I mean, <laughs> his lost my gain, right? Um, but I was happy. I, I think he caught it at the seven yard line and that, you know, that probably saved my net on that punt. It would have been a, what, a 46 yard net, which is still great, but that ended up being like a, what is it? At least 55 yard net. So your mindset going into this, just nice and easy, just make, make solid contact. Is that, is that the mindset? Yeah. Um, the, the wind in this game was also, um, a factor and I knew, I knew that before going in, I just knew I needed to be nice and easy and let the wind do its thing. Cause he was not comfortable. If you see how he catches that ball, he's, he's gone one way and then realized the ball came back the other way and had to, that's why he didn't feel comfortable trying to, to run with it. He fair caught it almost immediately because it was probably dancing a little bit in yeah. the wind and the wind was against you. Uh, that one was, it's like a crosswind. It was probably like from left, my, yeah, my left to right. So it was blowing to that corner of the end zone. And I think it switched in the second half. It was, it was the opposite kind of uh, blowing the other way, but it was just, it was swirling. That, that, that was a fun game to punt in because I knew if I just hit a good ball, I'm not going to be comfortable fielding it. He, I, I believe he let two of them hit the ground later in the game because they were moving around so much. We'll see him here in a minute. I, I just charted this on the simple kicking app. That was a 58 yard punt and the timings could be wrong because we're, you know, videoing off YouTube and there's, it could, there could be some latency issues, but that was a 58 yard punt with about 4.33 seconds of hang. Uh, the ball, it was hand to foot 1.5 seconds. A little slow on the, uh, I need to be a little quicker, quicker on the get off, but, um, I, I, I would like to have that be like a four, eight. I'd really like a 50 yard four, eight there. Um, because when, once you start stretching, you know, 55 yards under four five, you can get in some trouble with return game. But I was just, like I said, with the wind, I knew, I knew he wasn't going to be comfortable and the ball was, was flying pretty nice. And, uh, so I was just trying to hit a nice and easy punt. And that's how it usually is in the first punt. I want it to be more directionally focused and that one honestly in the middle of the field i wasn't too happy about that but i want it to be directional more so than than uh distance and hang because i want them to see how it's almost near the hash i really want that ball outside of the numbers as close to the sidelines as i can to be yes yeah so the way that the way that i see that and look we're going to nerd out on punting here just for a second is because in the nfl what i found was balls that are in this blue area, right? So you see how that ball is blue. That's just, that's balls that are in between the hash mark and the top of the numbers, right? But if you get the ball to the green area, right? Well, what ends up happening is you eliminate return yards, period. So if the ball lands within the 10 yard line in the blue area, then they are going to return that ball on average 2.9 yards. And that no, these numbers came from the first eight weeks of the NFL season. I'm going to update it here in a couple of weeks uh, as I'm you know, getting the rest of the data. But as you, as you can see there, 2.9 yards, if the ball lands within the 10-yard line between the hash mark and the top of the numbers. That's, this is a great chart. I've never, even, I've never seen something like this. This is awesome. Let's check out the green area. So keep 2.9 in your head, 1.7. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Mike, is, is that something that, that, you, that you're seeing as well uh, when, you're, when you're playing in the Pac-12? Yeah. Um, 
and that's something I'm trying to work on too and, and get better at is directional punting. Cause I know that's a big emphasis at the next level. So it makes sense. I like these charts. Dude, it's insane. In the the next level, these guys are returning things that like at LSU, basically they told us at LSU, and I had a great special teams coordinator, Thomas McGay. He's, he's at the, the New York Giants. He's the special teams coordinator there. And, you know, I wasn't always around him, so don't quote me, but it was my understanding that guys would just fair catch it if the ball went behind them on the eight-yard line. So put your heels at eight. If it goes over you, let it go. But if it's in front of you, fair catch it. That's not the case in the NFL. Tommy Townsend, rookie guy who's who came out in last year's class, uh, again, speaking to the volumes of how deep that 2019 class was, dude, the guy hit like a 4-5. The ball was on the 5 in the green zone. And the Buffalo returner, and this is really kind of makes a lot of sense because they're playing in the AFC Championship this week. The Buffalo returner guy, he, he returned it 24 yards. That ball is normally fair caught. Wow. Um. Yeah, they're willing to take more risk in the NFL because uh, they trust their guys to make blocks and, and you know, in situations like that, it just tells me I'm going to hit the ball out of bounds inside the 10. <laughs> I'm sure, too. I'm sure the uh, maybe the gunners let up thinking, oh, he's for sure going to fair catch this. And then that's just possible, too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's a good point. What I don't like in the, in the NFL nowadays is I think a lot of uh, I think a lot of the punters are too scared, though, and the coaches just settle for them hitting open field punts they're just hitting like 40 44 yard drop punts and you know i I don't know i think that's just kind of weak like if you're going to be one of the best 32 punters in in the world i mean i think a lot of it too is the coaches are just scared about losing their jobs so they're just they're just figuring oh okay well if we do this you know if we do this 44 yard drop punt most likely it's going to be a fair catch so we'll just settle for that but i don't know i don't like that i really don't like that trend because why not why not be like jack fox who in the open field most of the time hit spirals and he was the best punter in the league this year. So I, I can answer why they do that. Cause the, I saw a chart, uh, this past year, um, it showed field position and a ball inside. It was at the 12 and in the percent of them actually scoring on that drive because it was, it had to do with a certain number of plays that it took to get to the 50 yard line. But the chances that they score of them scoring uh, with the ball on the 12 and in were like either nine or 11% less. So it goes from like chance of scoring, let's just call it, say on a normal drive, the chance of scoring is 52%. Well, just because it's inside that it's at 40% or even less depending on the team, because certain offenses don't, don't have, or, you know, aren't lethal, but literally the, the percent, like a normal, if it's at the 30, it's a certain percent, 20, it's oh, a certain yeah, percent. Yeah. that jump, that jump from 20 to 10 yard line is gigantic because people's playbooks are so different. They're playing so much more conservative because they don't want to give up a, a you know, an easy touchdown because of for sure. Thing. Yeah. And I know the field positions obviously way more crucial than people think and on the on the going in you should hit the drop on i agree i was saying like when they're just like open field so my, you're on your minus 20 a lot of times if you watch games now a lot of punters are do, doing only drop punts and i was just saying a lot of times that can eliminate the return even though sometimes it doesn't even do that i was just saying like why can't the coaches and the punters get get on the same page of like just trusting their uh, their talent to you know hit a 55 yard punt on the sideline with, with like a five second hang, you know, I think Jack Fox did a great job at that. Yeah. Dr- and drop punt, meaning that means like the, the nose is down, right? Yeah. Just, okay. yeah. Yeah. Drop punt meaning nose is down. So not, not, not trying to hit a spiral punt, maximizing, um, you know, your biggest punt. Yeah. So this is Jack Fox's numbers. Uh, then again, this is through the first eight weeks. I sent this to all the NFL squads, but I mean, the guy had the, 
12 punts over five, five seconds at that point in the season. This is a rookie again, Jack Fox from the 29th. Well, he was 2018 class, kind of a, uh, you know, a little bit of a hard entry into the NFL, not quite like Elliot Fry, who I just had on the, on the podcast, but dude, Jack absolutely was above average. Totally in the NFL. And you know what's, you know what I'm seeing from what you guys posted this year, you guys are just about NFL average. Cause if you see this, the NFL averages 46.2 yards and gross. Michael, you were above that. And, and Zach, you were really, really close to it. I don't know y'all's hang times, but y'all's nets are both like Zach. You were 42 yards this year in net. I mean, you guys have the NFL talent, you know, and this unorthodox approach that you guys, you know, have, have come to and, and how you guys have improved so much is is remarkable. And that's what's kind of fun to have both you guys on this roundtable as we're kind of nerding out here. I mean, you guys could have really significantly long careers in the NFL. Maybe you know it, but maybe you don't. And some of this data is kind of, you know, interesting. I think it's cool looking at this because it just shows how elite uh, Fox is. His his stuff is insane. Net, his 48-yard net right there, that's insane. Yeah, that's nice. And then, um, like, another guy I like is Corey Bajorquez. You know, at the Buffalo Bills, he, he was pretty. He was having a really good season uh, through eight weeks as well, and I know he finished off pretty strong. But I just thought this would be fun to kind of nerd out because Corey, you know, hit some really, really long kicks uh, this year. But one thing I wanted to point out is how important this directional punting is. I mean, his accuracy is, you know, just below the NFL average at seventy-four percent. But again, these greens are so critical in, in the game, and uh, that's what I hope. You know the punters out there that are listening is if your if your team is calling for directional punting, like Zach was saying in in one of his punts that he wishes the ball you know n- would be preferably landing between the numbers and the boundary. And it 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 just eliminates a lot of the field that you have to worry about covering. Um, it's you're you're essentially getting a twelfth man. The twelfth man is the sideline you know, on defense. You're you're defending a play with twelve people, and. And just having to get close to the sideline, number one, it makes the returner more uncomfortable because he's like, all right, I only know that I can go that way. I can go to the big field, but so does everybody else. Everybody knows you have to go to the big field. So you have one option, and it's it's easier to make a play on you. Yeah. And here's, here's Sterling, right? So there's a guy that came out last year, and his accuracy was 92%. I mean, that is so critical, and that's probably what helped him keep his job this year is straight up the accuracy. So as you guys are, you know, trudging the road to your dreams of the NFL, I just thought that would be kind of fun to take a look at. <laughs> that was a good, uh, yeah, that was a really good breakdown. I, I like that. That was cool. I might get you to send it to me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this is, hey, this is the special teams lounge. This is where we, you know, we can nerd out. We talk about stories. We, we, we share stuff and we hang out with one another. Well, I know too, um, if you, when you're talking to the coach, like when I was at the combine and stuff, that was a big question. Like, uh, looking at my film because a lot of my punts in that 2019 season were down the middle um and so they were just wondering like hey you know where was your coach calling directional and are you able to do that and so um yeah that's definitely going to be an emphasis of mine michael you had a ncaa record in 2019 um that was the first game against kent state for the highest average in a game so that was a fun one honestly that was the funnest game of my life because that was my first game it was a it was after my red shirt year and that was a fun year of getting better. It felt like gap year 2.0. 
And I just had to sit out every game and watch the games just at home from my, uh, from my laptop. And so I was just having fun and thanking the Lord that whole game, because just the way it even set up for me to have five punts, usually it's hard to even get five punts in a game, but then also none of them were drop punt situations. And it's funny because um, I was four punts in and this was my first game at a real, I played one year at, at Lafayette college, but this is my first high level division one game. So I was sitting on the sideline thinking, I was like, man, thank you, God. I'm like, I think I've had four punts. And I, I, I know my average is like pretty high right now. So I was like, I don't know exactly what it is, but um, so I was like, I know it's pretty high. And to be honest, um, maybe Zach can relate with this. It's good to have the mindset. I want to go out there and punt. If you start having the mindset, like, Oh, please get the first down. I'll play punt right now. That's like, you can't have that mindset. Even if it's, if it's like the fourth quarter, the, the reason I was thinking that though, is because it was the fourth quarter. We already won the game. Kent state, they, we, we beat them. And, uh, I had four punts. Like I said, I knew my average was pretty high. I don't like to think about it that much, but I was like, Hmm, this is, this is nice. Thank you, God. But then I was like, Oh, Jaden, please, please make this first down. Cause there was like, I don't know, like four minutes left in the game and we were just backed up and he ended up not. So I ran out there and, um, I wasn't really thinking about anything except just finish strong and, and focus on my mechanics. And that ended up being my best punt of the game. That was the 75 yarder. So it actually took my average even higher and then I was just thanking the Lord the whole night. That was like one of the funnest nights in my life. Cause I lived alone too in my dorm and I got back and my brother was, my brother was texting me. Um, and it felt like all the hard work paid off, you know, like the gap year and everything. And I was just really praising God the whole night. It was fun. So that was your first kick and that was your first game and D one big time football when the lights are legitimately yeah. on the TV cameras are there. The sky camera is floating in front of your face. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. I was definitely thankful. I was talking to my family before the game there, you know, Oh, we're going to watch your game tonight. Cause it was a kind of a long time coming the red shirt year. The red shirt year was fun, but it was just, it's not, uh, it's not the most fun to train and then not be able to play on Saturday. So, um, it just felt like a long time coming and it was, it was great. Dude. I remember my first kickoff against West Virginia. They had burned my red shirt and I was so nervous beforehand. And, and I, I have journals about all this. I journaled after every game and the, the thing that really stuck out to me, and I don't know if you experienced this Zach, but there was so much motion around me. There was so much sound around me. There was so much going on that it was just sensory overload that I remember taking my steps. And then the next thing I remember is walking off the field and my coach showing me his uh, stopwatch and recording my hang time. And I'm like, and everyone pat me on the head because it was a really good kick. I mean, at that time we were punting, you were kicking off from the 30 yard line. But gosh, it happened so quick. Zach, did you experience anything kind of like that? I mean, so I was fortunate to never be the first play of the game. Um, but uh, for me, it's a little different. And this is probably from my pitching background. Um, on the sidelines, you see here, you know, a lot's going on. But once I get out there, man, I, I have my cues and things that I, I do before every single kick. And it's it's like, I don't know if you've seen um, some of the baseball movies, but like the clear, the mechanism thing is, is really big for me. Like I don't, the loudest punt I've ever been a part of, I was backed up at Alabama. Actually there's two of them, Alabama and Florida. And people were like, dude, it was so loud. Like I'm like, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> like, Honestly. Was, I, yeah. Sometimes it's better if it's loud. I, when I played at Lafayette and it was quiet and I could hear people yelling crap at me in the stands, I, I'd rather have it just be like, <laughs> like you just can't, it's so loud. You just kind of like, don't even hear anything, you know? Exactly. And that's, that's ironic because the, I found it the most distracting whenever there was nobody in the stands too, but like the COVID, in the yeah. past year, 
whenever like it, it's clear, like it's quiet on a punt because there's only 20,000 people there. And also, yeah. you know, some profanities at you and you're laughing <laughs> yeah. in the, you know, you're right. Yeah. Deep in the end zone, you're laughing because somebody behind you is saying something, something like that, that. That, may, it, that you actually hear. But like whenever it's a loud stadium and you can't, there's no, yeah, you just don't hear anything. Sound. You don't hear anything at all. Well, yeah. you hear sound, but you yeah. Don't really, yeah. That's like at USC. I was out to punt and this guy was some, something like 25 years soft or something like that. And I was just like, bro, why are you even talking? Like, why are you even talking to the punter? First of all? <laughs> and I'm like, why do I hear this guy right now? And so I know what you mean. Zach. So you were a pitcher. Were you a starting pitcher? Were you a relief pitcher? What was, what was your, um, your strength? So my first, uh, 2009 until, uh, 2013, I was a starting pitcher. And then, uh, in 2014, I was a real, I, transition to relief pitching. Um, and then 2015, I went to spring training and that was when I, I got cut or released. Um, but yeah, I was, a, I was a starting pitcher for all the way up until when I was 23 years old. Okay. And so you were in, you, you hit low a, you hit high a, did you make it to double a, what, what part of uh, the organization did you end up in? So on paper, I think I'm re- like a, by a retired or yeah, retired high a pitcher. Um, but I got, I got, I had multiple injuries once I got the high a, and then um, I ended up going back to rehab in low A uh, and never really, never really made it back up. Um, and I just, like I said, once I got to spring training the following year, um, I, my, my journey had ended in baseball and um, my new journey had, I didn't know it at the time, but a new journey had begun, I'd begun on, on uh, to become a football player at LSU. Yeah. So were you left-handed pitcher? Southpaw? I was, was right handed. I was right handed. Throw right. Throw right and kick left. Yep. And what are you bat? Because you can hit. I hear you can hit some home runs too. Are you righty bat or you left? Righty. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So think about while you were playing, you know, either you know high school ball or you're you're playing travel or maybe when you were in high A. Did you have a scenario of relief pitching that maybe got you ready five six years down the road for that punt against Alabama? Like, is there kind of a similar clear the mechanism mindset that that you brought from your relief pitching into your your punting? Coming in clutch situations where you know you got to run on first and second base and their best hitters up, or um, you know any any late inning, you know when the game's close, um, if it's five three, three to one, whatever, and you're coming in, there's guys on base, you know the tying runs on base, and um, I would say especially in situations where there's a good returner against, you know, like 2019, we're playing Alabama at Alabama. Um, and he actually ended up getting a return. That's the only return I've given up in my career was Waddle. Uh, when racing me math, I don't know if you remember this James, but he ripped him down by the face mask, but he let him go. He could have tackled him, but he, <laughs> he let him go and like slingshot him to the big field and he ended up running it back for a touchdown. Um, but that's the only punt really, uh, of my career that I wish I could have back. And I hit a decent punt. It was like 46 yards, decent hang and, Racy had him. He just let him go. Uh, but yeah, those, those moments when it's loud and, uh, you know, it seems like a pressure situation because the game's close and you don't want the, that play to happen really. Cause I hate to say it, but that punt return kind of brought them back in the game because we were beating them by at least two touchdowns at that point. Um, but you know, we had, we had Joe Burrow, so it didn't matter. We we're going to keep scoring on him. Uh, but that was, that was a, you know, after that, I kind of was like, all right, this dude's not getting another return on me. I'm, he's not touching the ball. So I, I was punting the ball out of bounds for pretty much the rest of the game. And he tried, he tried to return one, but he got smacked at like the four yard line. I don't know why he caught that ball to this day. 
But, um, I mean, again, that was one of the situations. I'm glad he caught it because it was kind of my revenge, I guess. He got a TD in the first quarter or second quarter, and then I think it was the fourth quarter he caught it at the four and got smacked. So I'll, I'll take it. That's is that, your, is that your favorite punt of all time that you had? There was one at Tennessee um, – or I told I told somebody on the sidelines I just had a fumble. It was right when I just I just won the job uh, in 2017. It was at Tennessee. It was like 45, 50 mile an hour winds. It was insane. It was that rain game. You couldn't see it on TV. That was one of the best games of my career. <laughs> um, but um, I punted. I punted in the first quarter. The guy muffed it. They kept him in the game. And then in the second quarter. I told either a strength coach or I don't remember who it was. I was like, I bet you I get this dude to fumble again because I realized how much the wind was impacting the the game. And uh, honestly, I'm glad we just stopped catching the ball, but uh, it was wet and rainy and windy. And uh, I knew I was going to get another one. So I punted another one. And I saw, honestly, it wasn't a very good punt. I sliced it a little bit, but it gave it like a weird, uh, I guess, path. And uh, the wind aided it to becoming a wicked, like curveball, And I don't know why that dude tried to catch it, but he muffed it again. And we got another, I don't know if you remember that Michael divinity recovered that one on like the, the 10 yard line, something absurd. And, um, but I'll take it. And that's, that's that game. And, you know, uh, I, I really liked Arkansas and, uh, Mississippi state this year, but, um, him, him muffing two in one game was pretty special. Cause they, I think I punted like seven times in that game cause the weather was so awful maybe even more, but it was, it was a fun time. I mean, it wasn't fun in terms of like how cold it was and how disgusting I felt the whole game, but it was, it was fun in terms of how much of an advantage it was to, to punt in that weather. What is weather, Michael? <laughs> you, you, what is weather? What is weather? Y'all, y'all have t- typically really, really nice weather. When I had Austin McNamara, uh, and talk to him on on the simple kicking show this summer. I mean, we basically figured out that when he's in Lubbock, you know, if there's an average of 14 mile an hour winds, but when he went back home, he was able to hold the ball a little bit higher because it's a little bit calmer. Uh, actually, a lot more calm in uh, in Arizona. I mean, that's that's a punter's paradise, brother. For sure, yeah. Arizona's the spot to be this year. When we travel, I mean, we had Oregon State was pretty terrible, and then um, a couple games the year before, like Utah. And others, but generally speaking, yeah, obviously the Pac-12 is great. Highly recommend for all punters. Yeah, and that, but that big game that you had against USC, that was a pretty raucous crowd, wasn't it? I mean, that's an environment. It may not be weather, but you know, USC could you know gets gets it going. And you had that that week that you had uh, Pac-12 Player of the Week. You balled in that game. Oh, uh, thanks. I guess the the Aussies didn't think so though. They, they didn't put me on the Ray guy, um, one of the finalists for that week. Oh my gosh! Well, as we close this thing out, uh, the McGahee Cup is something that uh, <laughs> I have I have my dreams on, and both of you guys will be representing uh, Team USA against the Aussies. And what's what this is going to be is a, a, a like kind of a Ryder Cup in golf, where you have Europe versus USA. Same thing we're going to have here in punting. We're going to have America versus Australia. We'll see if, if you can pull it off. If you can pull it off, I'd be surprised. I just, you think everyone, do you think people are actually going to show up? Yeah. I mean, I think so because I'm going to host it at Cowboy Stadium. Uh, as long as this thing gets oh, cleared by the NCAA. I'm coming then. I'm coming yeah, then. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. Coming. No, this thing is, this thing is legit. I mean, the, so, so, wait, I think you're going to have, it's going to be more trouble getting the Aussies to come. 
It'll be in June. I think it's going to be uh, at a period in time. It's going to be in J- the second week of June. So OTAs will not be going on for you know punters in college and kickers in college. That's kind of like a dead period because coaches aren't really hanging out with you. You're just working out. So I'm thinking it's going to be like the second Saturday of June. And um, I'm working on the details. But, dude, this is legit. I mean, this is going to be Team USA, the best Americans versus the best Aussies. Hey, James, can I um – Record it too and put it on my YouTube of, channel. Of course, you can do whatever you want. I'll give you the credit. I'll let, I'll let, I'll let Michael do the the big punts, and I'll just I'll focus on the the dagger and accuracy punt. Like, hey, wait, seventy five yarders out of hell. Can we, can we do um, a bench off too? Yeah, well, hey, we'll do we'll do a bench off. I mean, we're gonna have like literally, one, we're gonna have like a matchup, like a head to head. We're like, yeah, we're gonna have a head to head like punting match. We're gonna have a two ball format where one punter, you know, hits it from the minus, you know, three yard line is the line of scrimmage. Nice. Wherever that ball net lands, again net, so it lands minus because if he hits a just a two second laser, well, that's coming back. That would be impressive, so, James. Two seconds and laser, yeah, that's going over his head. Yeah, I've never seen. I've never seen that. Yeah, and then the next punter takes over there and then hits the ball deep, uh, and whoever has the best like ball inside the twenty position, yeah, that's cool. That, that's who gets the point. Yeah, dude, this thing's gonna get is gonna be legit, and um, yeah, yeah, a pretty just, pretty lethal combo right here. How he gets yeah. the backed up one? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he he had like the longest punts this year, and I had I had the most punts inside the twenty inside the twenty percentage. Uh, Jack Martin, dude, the guy from Troy, he had. 60% of his punts inside the 20. He had 15 balls down inside the 20 on 25 punts. Jeez. Yeah, 25. Dude, he had the best he had the best punting year in the last 10 years. Yeah, no I, heard, I, heard, I heard that. I heard about that. Wait, I haven't uh, really heard of him before, but I know that this year I was hearing his name. Troy Mark, I mean Jack Martin from Troy at 25 punts. His average was 46.1. His net was 45.8. <laughs> Wow, I, was, I didn't even hear. I didn't even hear about him. He's not even on the this list. No, he wasn't. But Zach, you had you and Lucas Dean had the highest, the 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 most amount of punts inside the twenty, and your uh, inside the twenty percentage was just under forty six percent, which is insane. Yeah, that was a that was a lot to deal with this year because thank God I was prepared for. It. Zach, how was punting in the national championship? Oh, dude, it was it was wild. It was my first punt. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you watched it, but my first punt was backed up. I was in the back of the end zone on the one yard line. <laughs> really? So there, was, there was some adrenaline there. Yeah. Our first drive, we got the ball. Um, we had a penalty and then a sack on the one yard line, I believe. Dang. And so I ran out there and punted from the one. Um, wow. My first punt was a one, a one step. And it, it wasn't a great punt. But I'm just glad the dude wasn't confident in catching and returning it. So uh, it definitely was not a good punt, but I'll take it because I wasn't trying to get a block punt in the first Oh, yeah, for sure. And you guys won. I mean, shoot. What was that like winning the national championship? It's something that I still wake up, and uh, I still can't believe we lost to Alabama. I really can't believe that we lost. I mean, our team was so good in 2011. What was it like actually playing in the game, winning the game? Uh, I mean – Going my whole life being an LSU fan and, you know, watching it. And I think I even tweeted about this. I said, it's weird when you wake up and realize it's the most important day of your life. And so like that realization and like that, um, I don't know, it, it was, it was bizarre. Um, I'm sure it was fun. Up that too, huh? Like the, 
Because bowl games are fun. I mean, but how much more so the national championship? It, well, the the reason it was so, I guess, different from any other game I'll ever play in is because it was in New Orleans. So it was in our backyard. Everybody's there. We're oh, yeah, that's dope. Hotel. That's cool. We're getting greeted by 5,000 people. When we go anywhere, you know, Drago's, there's 2,000 people waiting outside just trying to get a picture. Yeah, that must have been fun. Uh, it, was, it was madness. It was wild. And um, I don't know how to describe it really because it was so unique in that we got to play in new orleans an hour away from, yeah. from so pretty much was a home game and it was a home-like atmosphere my brother actually played in the national championship too they lost though it was Al- it was notre dame versus alabama oh snap you know it's so funny guys like people always talk about like you know hey i'm a good punter um i'm i'm this i'm that but it's such a different as you guys both know when you play at that level right so you Michael, you played at D1 AA. You excelled. And then you go to Arizona State. You excel early, quick. Like, And this thing is happening rapidly for both of you guys. Zach, you you do the same thing. You play in the BYU game. You, you know, As you kind of see that progression, going into the national championship, I've got chills thinking about it for myself because – I kicked off in the third quarter. I, we did. We lost twenty-one nothing, and I got. I was the only kicker, the LSU kicker that played that game. Drew Alamon, who was our field goal kicker, you know, he never got to play. I actually lettered in that game, so I know what the feeling is of, of taking that. But it's just a different level of the highest level of of our sport that we have it, you know, in in this league. And so that's why I show that because I'm like, damn, dude, like I know that feeling, and it's. I don't even remember it, to be honest. I blacked out. I mean, that's what that's why, you know, taking these journals are so important. But let's take a look at this next punt. That's really, really good just for fun. And then uh, we'll probably get this thing wrapped up. I can't believe it's almost been an hour. We've just been here nerding out. I mean, hanging out. Um, This is plus 40. This is the plus 49 um, middle of the field. We put like our field team, our team, our team out there, like we were going left, and I punted it right, and he downed it at the two or three yard line. Nice, that's such a good feeling, isn't it, Zach? Oh my god, it's it's, a, it's such a relief because it, it's such a pressure punt because you're like, okay, if I get it to just the ten yard line, ten's not that big of a deal, but inside the ten, it's such a dagger for for trying to drive down the field. It's almost I don't want to say impossible, but the likelihood of you scoring is not very good, especially in the NFL. They're just they're just happy to flip the field or field position in the NFL. You know, obviously, they want to score, but it's such—it's so hard to drive 98 yards in a, in a, at the NFL level. It really is, and and in these games, these are the moments that momentum can swing, and you just da- you put the dagger the opposite direction for Clemson. But like, it, it just bounced perfectly to the to the two. So I'll, I mean, that was my best point of the game for sure. How cool. How cool, man. I'm so proud of I know Zach, we never met in person. This is got, you know, our first time really, you know, chatting and same with you, Michael, but I can say that I'm really proud of both of you guys. And I think this is such a cool story. I've had, you know, I'm thankful to the Lord that I've had so many, you know, it's not so many, but a handful of really cool guests like Thomas Morstead. And I for some reason Thomas Morstead and his story is coming up in my mind for some reason because, you know, he too has an unorthodox swing. You know, Blake Gilligan, that's how he that's the words that, that he used to describe Thomas's swing as it's unorthodox. Zach, you have it in the, in the sky's the limit for you. And then Michael, I mean, you are so incredibly raw. Both of you guys, like I said earlier, seems like, you know, 10 minutes ago, but it was like 30 minutes ago. Both of you guys have NFL legs, NFL talent, and clearly an NFL mindset too. Thanks James. If you, if you if just combine us two and we got, we got Jack Fox, right? 
<laughs> well, guys, this has been this this has been so much fun. I mean, we're we may have to do this again when you guys are wearing uh, the NFL shield or something like that, or this McGahee Cup. We'll do another roundtable uh, if and when that that happens. This this uh, that'd this be a gym. lot of fun. Sounds good. Absolutely. So, man, I really appreciate it, guys, and uh, thanks so much for joining. <laughs>